the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Who do you serve? That's the question that's before us. Is it the Lord and God of all things, or is it an idol that you have created? Our Lord says that the eye is the lamp of the body, and then immediately he speaks of serving only one master. It is a matter of both where we direct our eyes and whom we serve, not just with our physical eyes, but most chiefly with our spiritual eyes, what the fathers term our noose that the Lord is addressing. This is why the transition seems kind of odd going from lamp of the body and then immediately talking about who do you serve, because he is not simply talking about where our physical eyes and what those are looking at, though that is important too. He is talking about where is our spiritual direction? Where are we paying attention to? Our Lord is saying that our noetic ability to know God and serve him works in the same way as our physical eyes. We need light, and the eyes then fill the body with light, and your soul needs, above all things, God's eternal light. It is a matter of light, of, of, of faith to see where our eyes are. That is where we perceive light, where our attention and where our concentration are. Anyone who has taken perhaps a bike riding lesson or motorcycle safety classes knows a principle that an instructor repeats very frequently. Where you look is where you are going. Not where you think you're going to go, but where your eyes are actually pointed. Anyone who's ever tried to figure out how to ride on two wheels and perhaps other vehicles knows this principle, but it becomes very, very important when you're on two wheels. Where your eyes, where you look, where you look, that's where you're actually going. If I look to the left, but I intend to go straight, I will drift left. If I want to turn right, but I don't aim my eyes as, and my body, and I don't direct my body and the bike, then I will probably not make it to where I want to go. Instead, I may drive erratically and unpredictably. It works the same way in our spiritual lives. Christ tells us today of a false god named Mammon. When Jesus begins to warn us against following Mammon, he tells us what not to pursue, food, drink, and clothing. In other words, all the cares that we have for our bodies. These are the false god Mammon, as Christ defines him. When we make these primary in our life, we're putting Mammon up above the, the true care and the more important care of where our spiritual eyes are pointing. These cares are necessary things for sure, and for the continuance of life. They provide us with warmth and they replenish us. But when we worry, when we turn our noetic eyes on earthly cares, in other words, and spend all or a majority of our energy to gain them, we are making an idol of them. These become more than necessities they become our God. We are replacing the true God with these. Or to say it another way, we are looking in the wrong direction, and so we won't get to God while worrying about these. 
We have many examples of the temptations for our eyes to look not where they should be going, the direction that we want to actually aim our lives in society. Many examples. The phenomenon of social media accounts filled with pictures of food and drink, whole channels of YouTube or on cable that only stream the latest fashions or the best places that we all need to get to. We know these things well. We can't even drive down the street without, you know, especially on an interstate highway without seeing billboards of where we should be going, right? We all know this experience. These things are poured into us by the society that we live in, even when we don't seek them out. Our society is only concerned with selling us more and more to pursue what they call happiness. They believe that this so-called happiness is found through satiating all of our senses, food, drink, and fashions. The eye cannot remain fixed, our spiritual eyes. Instead, it is fed on all of these, and we don't have stability. In other words, our souls are driving around erratically. These are distractions that secretly set up idols in our soul. Society preaches a separate gospel of gaining happiness by pursuing bodily pleasures. However, life is far more than these things. That is a false gospel. It will never give you genuine happiness, nothing lasting, not everlasting joy. Pursuing these really is a dead end and gives us only a little, maybe a temporary happiness. It is an opiate of distraction from the reality of God. Consuming this gospel is partaking of a fruit full of death-dealing poison of anxiety, of worry, and of fear. Worry over these things is turning the eyes of your mind as you look at them to think of the needs of the body only apart from God and to be filled then, as our Lord says, with great darkness. When we do this, our desires quickly multiply and we thirst greatly as our souls dry up from that poison that's being poured into it. We hunger for the light of illumination even if we don't know where to find it. We are told today of a different way. Jesus tells us not to pursue these things of the body, rather for your eyes to be filled with light, to be like a lamp, and to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. He will care for all of your needs, he promises, just as he cares for and adorns the bird and the flowers who receive his blessing. The road to peace and abundant love that our Lord gives us was just described for us in these readings. It is the seeming paradox of our faith that this road begins not with satisfying the body's cries out to be satisfied. That's the way of the world. Rather, it is during those times that the body begins to be uncomfortable and may even fear some deprivation. And so often, when we experience that fear of deprivation, fear, that fear that is present is even in the midst of evident abundance. When we have much, we fear losing it. It is during those times that we are told by the Apostle Paul to rejoice. In the midst of that, rejoice. He says to the Romans, sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope 
does not disappoint us. This is the path of illumination laid out for us to bring us to hope. It begins with just a little suffering. That the bodily needs are not the most important thing. The most important thing is serving the Master, our Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice for what is to come. Redemption guaranteed by God himself. Hope is a greater power than the happiness that the world offers. The way of the world to focus on obtaining and securing whatever the body desires is the way that leads to the opposite of hope. It leads to despair. But by enduring suffering, we gain the ability to hope. The character of Christian suffering is not neutral or having an indifferent attitude towards something. It is a positive energy that awakens you to God's ways. The person who has had and has a long-suffering character that produces hope, then hope allows God's grace to enter into the soul ever more fully. We all know this to be true. It is like a lamp entering a dark cave. We know with everything in us that this light is good. Think of a time when you knew that you had messed up, and you suffered for that. You suffered knowing that you had messed up. Your conscience was pricking you. But someone had patience with you. They were kind. Weren't you filled with hope to continue on, to get up after your fall? It is at that point which hope is born and fills you, your soul, like a light entering into a dark cave. God created you in this way. It is when a human being suffers for Christ's sake that God's love is poured in, into your very soul, and you become at peace. You are filled with his immortal life. God is guiding us to this place. By entering into the suffering of the world, we arrive at hope. And here, the eternal spring of his love flows when we follow him. This journey, beginning with suffering and ending in the eternal grace of God, is possible because of what we declare every week when we recite the creed here in the Divine Liturgy. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, and then what do we say of him? Who for us men and for our salvation came down from the heavens and was incarnate to the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became man. The Son of God came for the weak by becoming one of us weak ones. He trailblazed this path for us, the one that we've just been speaking of. This is the self-emptying of God into our human nature and uniting himself completely with humanity, suffering humanity. By this, he entered our suffering state and then he filled human beings, human nature, with the divine life through that suffering. He who is all-powerful willed to become a human being, able to suffer and die so that we would have a way to return to his Father. His self-emptying act began at his conception, at the Annunciation, and it was completed for our salvation when he ascended into heaven and his, with his resurrected body, giving us every gift. So when we also empty ourselves in a suffering way, we empty out all of our self-centered or selfish actions and desires, and we begin to make space for God's love 
and we are able to share in the glory of Christ. To taste of the resurrection because we are doing just what he did. When you empty yourself on behalf of someone else, eternal light pours in to your heart and makes room for he who is love. So my brothers and sisters, make room in yourselves for God who is love. By where we direct the powers of our souls, this is how we do it. The most important power of the soul is the noose, the eyes of the soul, our spiritual eyes, if you will. Notice that our Lord is not saying that the eyes see just that, but that the body is even changed and itself becomes filled with light. It becomes a lamp that will illumine our path. Every person has this fundamental aspect and power of the soul, a spiritual ability to perceive the light of God and then also to be filled by it. We are made always to see the light of God, God's eternal glory. When we turn the noose toward God, it orders our whole being, our mind, our heart, and all of our bodily strength. Hope is created in us as God's grace is poured in. The noose of your soul sees Christ and is illumined in this perception and you begin to leave aside those earthly cares and those worries. You begin to know that God is caring for you and will give you all the strength that is necessary and all the grace that you need. Your rational mind begins to search out places. It desires even more of this. Where the light may be blocked, it opens it up. It finds those and gives them to God. The life of a great illumination is when all desires are contained and continually aimed on God and all of our energy is in the pursuit of grace. When the cares of the body are cast before God's providence and when we seek his word for how to live in the body. So today, offer to your attention, to your concentration, the divine things set before you in this divine liturgy. In other words, direct your spiritual eyes here don't be distracted by other things. Focus on what God has before you. And in this way, you begin to contemplate God and experience his healing presence. What he offers is the training regimen of just a little bit of endurance in our suffering and a little bit of the accepting of the sorrows that may come our way when they arrive. And when those come, we cast them and our worries before God and this builds character for the sake of Christ, and in so doing, we follow his self-emptying way. Living in the light of his grace changes us, in other words. We no longer live in darkness as the slaves of mammon, pursuing food and drink and clothing or any other care of the body. Those pursuits are almost always motivated by some hidden worry or fear. Christian brothers and sisters do not have two masters. We only have one, and he wants to teach us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And once we do that, then all of those things that we worry about in our pursuits, then they will be given. They will be provided by God in his due time, for he cares for us. So today, turn and flee from those idols of mammon and abandon the things that fill you with darkness. These are blinding you and leading you away from God. The world promises you happiness when you chase and gain them, but really, they are just endless consumption of things 
that give you anxiety and give you worry. Rather, look to the light offered and be filled with the light. Where your spiritual eyes are focused, that is where you will go. If you accept your circumstances and see past them and look toward God, you become full of light and see everything else properly as God-given for your salvation and hope is present. Christ promises us his providence and care, and not only that, but to adorn in beauty, even by giving himself as light and love to us. He is our loving master that has emptied himself for our sake. He saves us from the poisons of mammon. So follow the way of our Lord Jesus Christ. Become filled with his light, that we may go in the direction of heaven in the surety of hope. Amen.